Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Well, today we're going to finish our series in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to ask this question again, how do we fight the real grind in our lives? How do we fight the real grind in our lives? And I want to encourage you today to share the service, uh, to be a virtual evangelist and invite people into this experience with us today. We're going to start in verse 16. So we're going to go back and look at just a little bit of last week that we talked about And then we're going to go to the end of Ephesians. And don't let it be lost on you that the guy who's talking to us today, he wrote these words because he was in a jail cell for sharing his faith. Okay? And so I understand that we're Americans and we're Christians. I get that. And I'm proud of both. Okay? But I want you to understand that everything about American Christianity is not something we should be proud of. All right? And he's going to take us back to the God of the Bible, to the God of Christianity, and to a real relationship with Jesus. And I want you to understand that like Paul, your circumstances today and the way you wish your family was or the way you wish your marriage was or the way you wish your friend, whatever, all of us have something that is not ideal about our lives. And yet, like Paul, we are going to boldly live out the calling that God has on our lives. So we begin today in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, and Paul writes this. In every battle, you will need... Somebody say it. Oh, good night. That ain't going to get us through. (laughs) Amen. Let's try it again. In every battle, you will need... Wait a minute, we, 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 we asleep over here, all right? Let's try one more time. In every battle, we're going to need... Yeah. All right, all right. In every battle, we are going to need faith as our shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. Now, I want to point out something at the end of that passage, and then I want us to go back. Did you notice the word aimed. Did you pick up on that? Satan is intentionally targeting your life as a faith person in Jesus. He's having conversations with the demonic cohorts of this universe to drag you down and to get you to stop. And what his goal is, is to get you to stop faithing. And if he can get you to stop faithing, guess what he can do? He can destroy you with his fiery arrows. So an arrow is used to what? Kill. But a fiery arrow is used to kill and destroy, annihilate. And do you understand that the enemy is intentionally 
targeting you. And so therefore, you have to intentionally decide if you're going to be a person of faith. So, for example, I'll use this little card. You may go, you know what, I'm going to invite someone. And the enemy's going to go, you really want to look like an idiot? You really want to be rejected? You really want to be an outcast? You really want to, you go, well, yeah, I don't, I'm going to have to rethink that now. Do you really want someone to scorn you? Do you really want someone to shame you? Do you really want someone to say, to laugh in your face and go, really? And so whatever your fear is, the enemy is talking to you about it. And he's using fiery arrows to get you to give up on faith. Now, what God wants you to understand is this. The battle that you're in without faith will be lost. Did you hear me? The battle that you're in without faith will be lost. So where in your life is God asking you to apply faith where fear is? So on Monday, Monday was, I guess, spiritual warfare day for me. Usually it's Tuesday. It was Monday this week. It came early. And I'm driving into the office here. And I'm moving from fear to anxiety to paranoia. You go, well, Matt, they've got medicine for that. Oh, I understand. But in my fear, my anxiety started to grow. And then in my anxiety, I began to get paranoid. And see, the enemy was whispering in my ear, you're not going to make it. And it was very tangible. He said, someone is going to hit you on your way to work this morning. And I'm, I'm, I'm literally head on a swivel as I'm driving here. And, and I'm feeling the anxiety of that, the massive anxiety of that that led to a measure of paranoia. And, and all day, I was just battling this, just battling this and just feeling attacked. And, and it's like, Lord, what, what does it take to get out? And I went home and I, I still felt it. And it was just so heavy. And I was like, this is just miserable. This is emotionally miserable. Tuesday morning comes. And you gave me permission to say this, Kim, so thank you. I didn't say your name in the 9 o'clock because I had not seen you yet to ask you permission. So Tasha went to uh, Tam's house on Monday night, and there was, what, a dozen so women there, something like that. And Kim says, um, Kelly prayed for me. How long ago was it? Okay, about a month ago. I felt very strongly that I was to pray for Kim and so I did. And Tasha said, do you know uh, what happened from that? I said, I have no idea. She said, God used that in a magnificent way in Kim's life. And I went into the, the bathroom that morning. I was getting ready, Kim. And the Lord said this to me. You're not going to know why you feel the way you do right now 
And if you choose to give up on faith, you won't find out later the fruit that's going to come from it. And so you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice of faith. And listen, Kim, like that shifted the rest of my week. Yeah. Like it changed the rest of my week. It changed the rest of my trajectory. It changed the way I communicated and everything that I was involved in. And see, because, because God prompted me to pray for you, and then God prompted you to say back what God was doing. And that's what this is all about. See, when you and I share faith in Jesus together, there is a third space that takes over. Now, I'm reading this book right now called Atomic Habits, and one of the things that it says, it's not a Christian book, but a very good book, and one of the things it says is that environment is the invisible hand of change. Environment is the invisible hand of change and motivation. You don't have to worry about motivation and activity. Why do you think the enemy fights you so hard to get here? Because environment is the invisible hand of change. And the moment you come into an environment, as David Chappelle says, a man's only as good as his options. So eliminate the options and you'll be a better man. You'll be a better woman. And see, when you and I come together, when we fellowship together, what happens is miraculous. What happens is miraculous. Because there is a third space that is created between you and I and our faith, and God begins to do things not only in us, not only around us, but through us. And that's powerful. That's powerful. But listen, it's going to require faith. And so Monday night, you say, how do you remain in faith? Monday night, I was praying, and you say, what do you pray? I pray two things. When I'm this desperate, I pray, Lord, you are good and your love never fails. And the enemy says, well, what about this? I go, Lord, you are good and your love never fails. And the enemy says, what about this? And what about this? See, because last night when I was preparing this message, I was journaling And in 2017, God gave me a prophetic word, and I've been carrying it since 2017. That's a long time. And then in 2018, my wife almost died from a horse accident, and I watched them flight for life, and I thought I'd lost her. 2019, extremely painful year for our church, for me personally. I won't go into all the details. If you're here, you're aware. 2020, COVID. Oh, that was a great year, wasn't it? (laughs) 2021, right? 2021. A guy I'd been sharing the gospel with for 20 20 years decided to sue our church, the guy who sold us the building. And so then we had to suffer under that. He's no longer with us. It grieves me deeply. 2022, right? Last year. Incredible, incredible pain. 2023, incredible, incredible pain. I I could outline for you just massive themes of sorrow and suffering in these last six years. And the enemy says, well, you know what? Why do you want to trust the Lord in 2024? And the enemy's going to hold up what's gone wrong in your life. And you're going to have to be able, similar to like the hot shots when they're putting out a fire, you're going to have to be able to pull that thing over you. That's faith. 
And when you pull faith over you, the fire is going to come over you. The fiery darts are going to come over you, but they're not going to stop you. They're not going to kill you. They're not going to annihilate you. They're not going to keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Amen? Amen. But that's a choice. That's a choice. So principle one, you've got to use your weapons. Letter A, you've got to move forward by faith. As you go into battle, the enemy's going to look for every opportunity to tell you how you don't deserve God's armor and how dumb you look wearing it. Do you all like my new $1 shirt? Isn't that nice? That's right. You can look good for a dollar. All right. In difficult, seemingly humiliating times, you have to make a choice to keep moving forward in faith. And if you can let go of the results of your faith, God will use you to do miraculous things. If you can let go of the results of your faith, take your hands off of it. You say, well, give me an example. Here you go. Well, I could invite them and they won't come. Not up to you. Not up to you. Not up to you. You say, what's up to me? To buy faith, you're invited. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And then stopping where you do not have the authority or the control. By faith, we engage. Now, faith is believing when you can't see the fruit. Faith is believing when you can't see the fruit. A few weeks ago, I was at a conference in San Antonio uh, called the Society of Biblical Literature, and there was about 10,000 scholars from all over the world that were there, and a lot of the discussion was about Israel and the Palestinians and Hamas and all the conflict that's taking place, and so there are a lot of scholarly papers that were being given on this particular topic and the promise that God gave Abraham to Israel and how it all works. Very fascinating to me. Well, I went to a luncheon that was put on by Zondervan Publishing, Zondervan Academic Publishing, and I was seated at a table with a few different people. And when it ended, uh, I was talking to an individual, uh, and he just spoke a very encouraging word over me. Never met this man before in my life. His name is Daniel Bodie, B-O-I, a B-O-D-I. He's a professor uh, at the University of Paris. And he has three PhDs, okay? So he's uh, what we call an egghead, right? Yeah. And he's a missionary kid who knows all these languages because that's how he grew up and his parents moved to different countries. And so he said, I'm, I'm, I'm proficient in all of them, not very good at any of them. And he spoke a prophetic word over my life. And listen to me, if somebody has to know you and you have to be okay with it and always has to fit you, you're going to miss out on what God has for you. And so here's this gentleman I've never met before in my life, and, and we end up in this conversation, and he says to me, and I quote, struggle is always stressful. So all of us want to eliminate struggle so we can get rid of stress. But stress isn't always bad, just so you know. Because sometimes it, we, we need a measure of stress to let go of trying to control everything. 
And, did, and then the part that really stuck with me, he said, and I quote, anything of significance or success requires sustained effort. Those words just, wow, washed over me. I want to say them again. Anything accomplished of significance or success requires sustained effort. You say, well, who gets to decide that? We do. And if, if nothing else, and, and maybe you've never thought of faith this way, faith is simply efforting to do whatever God tells you to do. I'm just going to do whatever God tells me to do. And see, obedience is a combination of I'm going to trust him that he's good and I'm going to do through humility what he tells me to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And so verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So letter B, put your helmet on. Now, pardon the sports analogy for a second, okay? Because I know I'm in Bronco country, all right? But I'm a Cowboys fan, okay? All right. So a couple of weeks, Packer, there you go. So a couple of weeks ago, there was a game, the Cowboys and, and the Seahawks, and they featured this guy. He's a cornerback, and his name is Bland. And he did something no other quarterback in the history of football has ever done in the NFL. He intercepted the ball five times so far this year and ran all five of them back for touchdowns. Nobody's ever done that in the NFL. And so he has that record. Well, they're bragging on him. He gets defensive player of the month, you know. And so then the game starts and the team targets him. And by halftime, they say, and I quote, no one this season has had more yards collected against them in a half than this guy. <laughs> Success to failure. And I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking about that. And then all of a sudden, right, you know, right before the half's over and they start the third quarter, they show him and he has his helmet off. And on his face is a cross, a black cross that he's drawn on each cheek of his face. Now, maybe it's just coincidental. Maybe he just likes crosses. Probably more to it than that, right? And he grabs his helmet and he goes back in the game. And what does he do? Intercepts the ball. Where are you in that story right now? Where are you? Have you set a record? You know, a good one? Or have you set a record? A bad one? It doesn't matter whether you've set this or you've set this. The only thing you need to ask Jesus is this. Where's my helmet? Huh? Put it on and let's go. Because it's right thinking that brings you back to right perspective. And when you get God's perspective, which by the way, that's what right perspective is. God may not tell you what he's doing, but he will tell you how to think about what he's doing. And so when you say to the Lord, what are you doing, Lord? The Lord says, I'm, I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you. 
Okay, well, can you tell me how you're thinking? Yes. You say, well, how's he going to tell me how he's thinking? Uh, Take the sword of the Spirit. Pick up the Word of God, and God will tell you what he's doing. And if you say, well, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. No, listen to me. If If you make decisions in your life that are not informed by God's Word, I pity you. The Word of God should inform everything you do. You go, what if I get it wrong? Okay. But make sure that it is the sword of the Spirit that you are using to go on the offense to live the calling that God has on your life. And let me assure you, if you miss it, He'll make it right. He'll make it right. But don't miss out on hearing what He has to say. So let her see, pick up your sword. The sword is the visible offensive weapon that God uses. And listen, here's, what, here's my prayer. I pick up the sword and I say to the Lord, God, if you do it, we'll tell everybody you did it. If you do it through us, we'll tell everybody you did it. Verse 18, pray at all times. You say, how come? Because the devil's tempting you at all times. On every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit, stay alert, be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. This morning on social media, I put a Martin Lloyd-Jones quote, and his quote was this, pray every time you're prompted. Every time you feel prompted to pray, pray. Randomly. I'll wake up at one in the morning and God will put one of you on my mind. And I just pray. And I try to tell people, hey, God told me to pray for you last Thursday uh, at 2 p.m. I don't need to know what's going on. It's none of my business. But God wanted you to know he was thinking about and he asked me to think about you too. But what's most important in that equation, not that I'm thinking about you, is that he's thinking about you. And he's... Ask me to pray for you because he cares. Every one of us can talk to God. Letter D, talk to your general. Talk to him. And I pray. When I don't know what to pray, I pray, Lord, you are good. Your love never fails. Be with this person. That's a powerful prayer. Principle number two, there's a watershed moment coming here. Help others fight, and we're going to see it here. So not only put on your own armor, but then help others fight. Verse 19. And Paul writes this, and what? Pray for me. Pray for me. Paul understood that ministry was not just about what you do for other people but it's also about what other people do for you. And so I say, pray for me. Oh, he doesn't need my, no, pray for me. Ask God to give me the right words as I boldly explain God's secret plan that the good news is for the Gentiles too. This is Paul. And there it is. I'm in chains. That's his circumstance. I'm in chains now for preaching this message as God's ambassador. He's not angry at God. 
And he's not giving up on his calling. He's also not denying why he's in the circumstance he's in. And he's not going to try to get out of it by stopping. Pray that I'll keep on speaking boldly for him, for Jesus, as I should. Look at verse 21. Tychicus, a much-loved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work, will tell you about how I'm getting along. I'm sending him to you for this purpose. He'll let you know how we are, and he'll encourage you. So Wednesday was my bride's birthday. Candace, thank you for teaching on Wednesday night so I could take my bride to dinner. She, um, you know, I had to, guys, I had to go through the grocery list of where she likes to eat, and I realized I need to take her to Denver because she has a restaurant up there she loves. So I took her up there. And we're having dinner together on Wednesday night. She turned 53 years of age, and I've known her since she was 18. Uh, and she is talking about her life, you know, and what we do when we go on dates is that it's like, well, tell me about, tell me about how you feel about your life up to this point. What are you dreaming about now? And what do you think for your future? So that's what we were talking about. And toward the end of the conversation, it was a lively, wonderful conversation. We had a great time. She says to me, you know, I've started this ministry called Family Disciple Me, and I just kind of feel like that if it went away, probably not even five people would care. And I said, huh, it's interesting. Now, men, listen to me. Earlier in marriage, I tried to get her not to feel that way. But I'm a seasoned husband now. If she ain't done talking and feeling, I ain't done listening and waiting. And so in that moment, I said, well, and the Lord told me this to tell her. So I told her. I said, you know, here's my prayer for you in your 53rd year. It is my prayer that you can realize that you've done enough for God already. And I said, and anything you do for God after this, it's just gravy. But you've done enough. That's what I believe God wanted me to tell you. And it was a moment. And it was a moment for me too, I think. And maybe it's a moment for you. How would your life change? How would your ministry to other people change if you realized you've already done enough? And whatever you do beyond this, it's just gravy. And so we talked about that for a little while. And then we got up to leave. And we went out, and I said, oh, I'll go use the bathroom first because it's up in Denver, you know, and we're old, so I want to make sure we can take care of everything. So, um, so I go in the bathroom, and when I come out, I almost headbutt and run into this total stranger guy. And I apologize, I'm embarrassed, you know, in the moment. And so I step out, and I take the bag, and, and Tasha's talking to Joshua, our son, and he's wishing her a happy birthday. And so I take her phone, she goes to the bathroom, and, and I'm waiting on her. And I notice this man's... Uh, wife, because he comes back out and he's standing there and they've got a newborn baby. And, and, and so, you know, just living life, right? And then when we turn to leave, I kid you not, that man that I almost ran over to go come out of the bathroom, he was holding the first door for us to go out. And then this woman with a brand new baby 
it's cold. She's holding the door. And I'm the first one going out because Tasha's finishing her conversation with Joshua. And so as I'm walking out, I'm like, this is really awkward. Because where I'm from, we hold the door for the ladies' men. Amen? That's right. I don't care what the rest of the world says. That's what we do. That's right. The great state of Kentucky. Right. So I'm walking out, Matt, and I'm like, this is really awkward. I've never had a woman with a newborn baby in the cold hold a door for me to go out of a restaurant, especially a total stranger. And so I go out. I'm awkward. I'm, it's weird. And Tasha comes out behind me. She gets off the phone. And I hear the woman say to Tasha, hey, uh, my name is such and such, and we used to go to Vanguard in 2000. Okay, gets better. She said, I was 15, he was 16. She mentioned Jeremy Bergstrom, which most of you would not know who that is, but uh, he was uh, one of our first woodcutter that worked with our students. And she said, we parted ways, and about 10 years ago, we reconnected to one another. She had, I guess, been married and had children with another marriage. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he was married. You know, we're standing outside in the cold, and, and I'm just kind of overwhelmed by this moment. And then, you can't make this stuff up. She says to Tasha, you know, I subscribe to family disciple me. There it is. There it is. She hadn't been to Vanguard in seven, in, since 2000, 23 years ago. Family disciple me is only six years old. Okay. And like there's so many. And then she says, you know, we weren't even going to come to this restaurant tonight, but our newborn baby, we live up in Lafayette and we were just down here in Denver and our newborn baby's name is Judah Alexander. She said, I'm 40, and he's 41. This is our first child together. And she said, when we saw this restaurant, Jay Alexander, we said to ourselves, we should go there to celebrate our newborn baby's birth. Of birth. We weren't even going to come here. Now, could someone please work on the statistical probability of all of that for me? Coincidence, hand of God, right? So here's your, here's your decision. Am I going to keep faithing when I don't see the fruit? Because the moment you say yes, he's got a gift for you. He's got a gift for you. He is good, and his love never fails. And we met a baby that a mom listens to family and going to use those principles to raise that child, Judah Alexander. Don't limit what God can do in your life. Look at verse 23, and we'll close with this. I want to read these two verses to you, and then I want you to say them in unison with me as we close out this series and this season. May God give you peace dear friends, and love with faith. Don't just have faith. Keep loving and love with faith. 
from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God's grace be upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Now, I want us to say this together, and I want you to realize this as we say it. This is how we fight our battles, okay? This is how we fight our battles. Let's say it. May God give you peace, dear friends, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God's grace be upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.